This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the Nest Review Show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. Following a disappointing display against Wolves last time out, many were predicting a tough game for Palace against a lead side who had impressed on their return to the top flight. Never a team to conform to expectations, Palace dominated the game and ran out 4-1 winners with goals from Dan, Eze, Ayu and an own goal from Ida Costa. Some posh little twats more for Leeds. of the nest sponsored by pitch sport pitch dmm.com on the show today we have me chris hambling uh my name appears to have been changed by the producer mikey to dr for king i mean the way i said dr for king i mean it sort of works I'm, I'm fine with it i'm fine with it uh we also have uh, fresh from the preview show albert curley i wouldn't say fresh but hello how are you yeah well i yeah i mean i said fresh but, um, looking am, fresh, probably. Yeah, undoubtedly, and those looking at the video version will see how fresh. Albert's yeah, looking. what's what's going on underneath? I'll keep that to myself. Fair, fair. And we've also got Mr. Mike Scott. Yo, <laughs> that is the that is twenty percent more enthusiastic than he's managed any time pre-show. So we're in for an absolute treat of a show today. So coming up, we'll be looking at the lineup as Hodgson sprung a surprise in his team selection. Uh, we'll be looking through the key moments from the game, analysing the goals and the major talking points. Uh, we'll be talking about individual player performances, both good and bad. Weren't many in the bad category this time out. Uh, I'll be covering your questions and comments as we go. And finally, we'll have a quick chat at the end about the importance of the next three games after the international break in defining Palace's season. So before we get going on the, gen- uh, the, the specific stuff around the game, uh, just to Remind you, we are sponsored by Pitch Sport Football. Uh, Google those words, download their app, and get involved in predicting lineups, predicting results, and rating the team, the manager, the referee, and all sorts after the game. Um, it was an absolute joy to put in a, a positive review of, uh, of the performance. 
uh, after today, after this week's game. So very, very happy to use it this week for a change. Uh, but do get involved in that. On all social media, if you just search for the words back of the nest, you'll find us on there. Appreciate it if you can review us. Five stars, please, on your chosen podcast app to help others find our show and grow our fan base. Uh, those of you that are watching this, this is a redundant comment, but we're also on video. Check out our YouTube channel, uh, which is, I've said YouTube in two words there, like an old man. Oh, YouTube. You, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. The YouTubes. Check they out got me YouTube. on the YouTube, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Google it on YouTube. That's a good sentence, isn't it? Anyway, um, so yeah, head to Back of the Nest on YouTube. YouTube, Chobe. Oh my God, I'm struggling. What do I do here? Uh, just try one more. I think I'll just, try one more. Just can. <clears throat> so check us out on our YouTube channel. That worked better. Uh, Got it. Doing a lot of hard work. Uh, like and subscribe to get all of our content on there. So I better, before I make any more mistakes, talk to the gentleman in front of me and see how they've been getting on in general. I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, you've written in the show doc here, Computer Games Heaven. Yeah, well, uh, incl- including for my son as well. Um, somebody mentioned something called Retro Pie, and I had a little what it was. And uh, it's those little Raspberry Pi machines that the schools use. Um, but somebody's made just an operating system that's like a SNES, a Mega Drive, a Master System, and there's and then loads of other stuff that you don't, you never even had anyway, like a Game Gear and stuff like that. Just about every game you can think of, and then just work off the bat. So like. Mario Kart, Street Fighter 2. Yeah, like my four-year-old was playing Streets of Rage on the Mega Drive this morning. Oh, totally free. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I haven't played a new game in about 20 years, but <laughs> who needs with this kind of stuff? Absolutely awesome. That's just amazing. great. You can live live in the past. Well, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going to make a few for people's Christmas presents. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, basically, you buy one of those little machines for 20 quid, get the image off the internet of the the thing and then uh, a snooze controller that you can buy on eBay for fiver. So yeah, absolutely amazing. All legal. Um, all legal. Yeah. It is all legal. Yeah, yeah, because they 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 they're not in they're not in copyright anymore. The games. So. Well, there you go. I I'm going to be honest. I don't understand Raspberry Pi at all. I mean, I know what it basically is. It's a it's a computer. It's what it basically is, but. I can't really get my head around how you make it do stuff. For me, it sounds more like a dubious a dubious search term on a mm, private tab. Mm. Uh, it probably is that as well. Yeah, it, it doesn't have a hard drive, so you just put everything on a little SD card like you get out of the camera, and that's basically it. I mean, they, they don't do a lot. You tend to use them in like industrial sites and stuff, but for just, um, yeah, for just having a little tiny machine that can sit on top of your TV, yeah, all good. Oh, I'm going to do one of two things later on. I'm either going to put that term into um, uh, a popular site, of which I won't describe, YouTube. or I'm going to look in <laughs> YouTube, or I'm going to put that, that term into Google and find out a bit more about how the computer thing works. I won't tell you which of those two things I'm going to do. Albert, how the hell are you? Good. I now really want to have a go on Golden Axe 2. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I'll check out Golden Axe too. I, I I forgot I hadn't I hadn't looked for Golden Axe. I I, I did have a look for um, I was playing um, Empire Strikes Back, which I know you said that you'd played when you were a kid. So yeah, completed it, mate. 
Absolutely. <laughs> of course, of course. About 30 years did, ago. Um, did you know that the original Golden Axe, that you can you can complete that game by simply jumping? With the, when you were the guy with the axe, because you had three choices, didn't you? But anyway, yeah. you, can, you can jump and swing the axe continuously and you will complete the game. That's that's Fantastic. Yeah. Did you, you got FIFA 96 on there, Mike, which I, th- which I think somebody might pull me up on this, was the first FIFA game that had actual players on it, including, um, a, including a Crystal Palace team, I might Yeah, The only games I've looked for football-wise is Sensible Soccer and Super Soccer so far. Yeah, anyway, pretty... you, were telling me, you were telling me how you were, Albert. Yeah, I was. Yeah, no, all good. I'm all right. It's nice to be out of the clutches of the preview show. I mean, I'm saying that now. I'm sure you could come in with a sly Watford dig at some point because that's what I'm basically getting on the preview show. So, uh, I mean, you know, between you and me, Albert, I think they've they've done that joke, really, haven't they? Isn't it? Is it time to move on? Really? I mean, you've said joke. I think you're being, <laughs> I think you're being generous there. Yeah, laboured. I think it's laboured. Yeah, I think you get too hard of a time on there. I don't know why they do that to you. Never mind. But apart from that, all good. All good. Good stuff. Well, just before we move on, um, just a little share, a little story from my life with you. It's more of a, a, a cautionary tale. Um, so my, it's my nan's birth, birthday a few months back, and uh, and I got her a, a book. Um, so she likes kind of uh, mystery mystery novels, that type of stuff. So I just searched that, you know, like a caring grandchild, I searched that genre saw what the bestseller was, read a little bit about it and thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, that sounds, that sounds fine. Um, and when I, when I gave her the present, um, she said, oh, have you, have you read it? I said, no, I haven't, but, you know, it's the sort of book I like. I do like similar genre. Um, so you'd have to let me know how it is. So I, I went to see my parents just before lockdown and, uh, and my nan was down there and she, she had the book and she said it was brilliant. Um, you know, as soon as I finished it, I just had to read it again, um, and, and I know you said you hadn't read it, so so here it is, and lent to me. So the problem with that is that when you're reading a book that your 88-year-old nan has read that you bought her, and it contains, shall we say, adult content, mm-hmm. it, 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 it feels... Raspberry Pi. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was unnerving, and then I was uh, I was talking to a young lady this week explaining this situation, and she pointed out to me that not only had I bought that book for my nan and basically enabled her to read filth, um, my nan had then made the conscious choice to allow me to read such filth, and that possibly reflects on the kind of person she thinks that I am. Did Thoughts? you say she read it twice? Yeah. Mm. So I'm assuming the pages were well fingered by the time it got to you. So moving on to the show, it's, it's, a, <clears throat> it's just a trouble with secondhand books, isn't it? Yeah, no, you're quite right. It's quite right. They do, they do. Yeah, that's why I have that rating system on Amazon. You know, like new, as new, well fingered pages. Yeah, I, I do just want to say, I, I briefly worked in a library when I was at school and the, the Mills and Bean section uh, was very, very heavily used. Um, and and um, I'm sure that I got at least one STI from having to put those back on the shelf. So, um, I think that's why they come in those plastic covers in the library yeah. when you get from the library, isn't it? <laughs> yep. God, right, so just making a mental note to myself not to go down that road again. Um <clears throat> So let's um, let's have a chat about the game because, of course, we've we've had a 
you know, a frustrating season at times, but it feels so good to be, you know, doing a, a podcast talking about a performance that was good, you know, that was the right attitude, the right intensity. And, and obviously delighted to beat to beat Leeds as well. There's been so much, you know, so much of a Leeds loving, you know, talking about how great it is to have such a big club back in the Premier League. The attention they got even in losing this game, you go to the match of the day coverage and there was a whole bit about Leeds before the before they showed the highlights, all the focus was on how hard done by Leeds were with the decision we'll talk about later on. So the fact that Leeds have been getting all this 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 love, it was just so satisfying for us to go out and uh, and to smash them. But I think we start as we as we usually do by talking about the changes that Roy made and, and total surprise, total shock. And Mike, I'm going to hand over to you for this one because you picked out the comments and I know you tweeted them off the back of the Nest account that Hodgson had made in the week. So. You know, to all intents and purposes, it was Jeffrey Schlupp starting on the left and Eze wasn't going to get a look in. Uh, but Roy likes to troll, likes to throw a curveball in, and, and he did. Yeah, I mean, it got a lot of retweets and comments and people very angry. But um, essentially, within Hodgson's pre-game statements, um, when he was asked about why Eze's been used sparingly was the word, he said... Schlupp isn't exactly anything other than a very good attacking left-sided midfield player. I don't know why he put exactly in there, but that sounds like he was angry. So I had to make choices there. I've not been able to fit both in the team together, especially with the form of Andros Townsend on the other side. So to find Eze suddenly in the side, I was shocked. Happily shocked, but shocked. I uh, did a mute, a mute thing there. Apologies. But I mean, uh, going back to the actual comments, let me grab him. Funny enough, that you've, you've put him in, kindly put him in the show doc for us. He said um, he's, he's not. It also said he's not been able to fit both in the team together, especially with the form of Andros, Andros Townsend on the other side, uh, which obviously we saw play out later in the game when Andros went off and Eze moved over to the right. So all this sort of clamour we've had for Eze starting and, and, and Roy throws that surprise and deserves a lot of credit for doing that, Al. But but of course. Does it also make you think, well, you know, why didn't that come a bit sooner? As I'd had a little bit of a chance before, a little bit of a look in while Schlupp was out, but should perhaps Roy have stuck with him previously? Yeah, potentially. I think whatever it is, whether it's, it's probably for his defensive qualities, we, we all know that for some reason, Jeffrey Schlupp is, is more nailed on for a starting place in R11 than, you know, most other players, bar Zaha and, and Guaita probably. Um, so yeah, I, we we know that we know that um, Schlupp's a Roy favourite, and fair play to fair play to Jeff. He you know he works really hard. He gets back. He, he you know he does do that defensive side of the game more than most, um, which again is a, a big plus for Roy. And every now and then he he pops up with a goal, and sometimes they're a bit of a peach as well. So you can see the expectations. While people would have thought that it would have been Schlupp, uh, I can't say I was. Um, Expecting to see as a start, just based on on the previous run of games, uh, it's, it's good that he did, um, and, and you know, and hopefully that gives Roy the confidence to make that change more often. And you know, it might be a case of a week to week guessing game of who it's going to be, which makes teams harder. It makes it harder for teams to plan how to play us if we if they don't know necessarily what they're going to get. So I think it's it's a it's a end result of of Roy saying he he. Didn't have options before. Now he's got them, and I think the more Eze plays, the more he's going to grow, and Roy will feel more confident to start him more often. So it's, it's nice to have that flexibility. Yeah, definitely, and I think there's a couple of important things in there. You're right, you know, to have that 
we bemoan the predictability of a Roy Hodgson selection and a Roy Hodgson tactical setup, but it was it was changed. You know, of all the people who are obviously drawing attention to the fact that you know Roy has been taking a lot of stick recently, and and people were kind of saying, well, where are the Roy haters now again? Like they did after the Fulham game. And obviously, you just got to you got to understand it is just one game. But there were some fantastic things that were changed. Yes, the lineup um, was a surprise, but I think you know where you talked about the defensive work, and, and that's why Schlupp usually gets in. I was really pleased to see that you know Essay didn't have those defensive shackles. He was expected to get back, but the team kind of shifted around him to get back defensively, and it didn't really have this you know, consistent duty to stay back and, and, and go with the fullback. And I think part of that was lead system, but it was very smart as well to, to you know, give Eze the chance that he deserved. And, and Roy, again, to his credit, said that Eze had earned that opportunity to start in the game, but also not to expect him to, to you know, to, to spend the entire time defending. And we've seen, we criticised Roy in the past for negating the kind of flair players uh, and, you know, and the real talent in the squad, Wilf in particular, of of making them do that tracking back and that defensive work. And to see us find a way of, of not doing that was extremely pleasing. Well, plus uh, in the in the post-game interview, um, Hodgson made, and it wasn't asked of him, he made a point himself that he said Eze did absolutely what he was asked for in terms of defensive work. So that's, that's good to know that he thinks that. Yeah, for sure. That just em- emphasises that, you know, it was a choice to to give him that little bit of freedom from from the responsibilities to a degree. I'm not saying he didn't defend because he did; he did get back plenty. But uh, he spent so much more time in the middle of the pitch picking up spaces than he did stuck out on the left following a fullback around. And that, to me, was really key in this win. Uh, the other change was, of course, Luca being suspended. The uh, the appeal failed, uh, which I'm not really surprised about. But it was James MacArthur that came back in. McCarthy was fit. Um, but MacArthur took the place and I think worked really well alongside Jaro Riedeveld. So, again, I probably expected that with Luca being out, so not a tremendous amount to talk about there. But um, So we're going to the, the first comment we got, um, which was from Christian Eagle, and he asked, was it our strongest ever bench? Um, and it's hard to argue that, guys, because Batshuayi, Benteke, Butland, Cahill, McCarthy, Sacco, Schlupp, all of them, it, you know, Full internationals, a ton of caps there. Can you think of a better bench than that? Oh, no, probably it's not. Tough. I mean, it's a tough ask. Yeah, yeah, especially with not we're just kind of just throwing the question at you and not allowing you to do any kind of research on it. But it's you know it does emphasise the strength of the squad and and obviously that I suppose the you know the change in there taking Batshuayi out of the team and putting in Jordan Ayew, I. I criticised it before the game because, you know, in my head, it's there isn't any real question as much as I, I love Jordan Ayew for what he did last season. Um, and, you know, he ended up scoring in this game. I still consider Batshuayi to be a better striker. So in my head, it was it was an obvious choice. But um, I know you've done a, a bit of work we can look at next, Mike. Um, I'm talking just trying to give you enough time to fill up your vape. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, in terms of Jordan I you've picked out, uh, uh, you know, some some uh, hate maps of his touches and, and how he played. So we can get to talking about perhaps the reason for that switch and what does what does Ayu give you that, that uh, Batshuayi doesn't? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And, and with a game where there's five goals, 
unless you've basically got a replay of the entire game, which we haven't because because of the bloody pay per view crap, um, which obviously we all paid for. Um, the highlights didn't necessarily go into as much detail as I wanted, but it's essentially from from watching it in real time, IU seemed like he played very much behind at times a front two and three. Um, so I managed to get the heat nap off who scored dot com, um, and he had forty seven touches throughout the game, and they are really really evenly spread out. Um, they're sort of um, magnetized around the centre circle, um, and so he, plenty of touches in his own half. Um, and, and barely any in the opposition 18. But it, it was just good to see that he was, um, it looked to me as though he was taking up some of the slack that was left by, um, you know, Ezzy playing a free role, like you said, instead of Schlupp. So it, it worked really well. And I mean, assuming we're giving we're credit for this, he, he'd foreseen it and, and put him in instead of Batshuayi, who, let's be honest, he's much more of a um, traditional fox of the box style striker so yeah it worked really well I mean it's interesting just to see I mean I wouldn't have picked out that that kind of spread because you know it's literally the whole pitch that he's pretty much covered but he's that when Dio and I sorry say again he's that good he's just got yeah, the whole well, exactly. pitch under control <laughs> but um, when Dio and I were doing the watch along and and we did at times pick up on the fact that IU was Defending almost well, he was defending in in front of the the D, of, you know, of our own penalty area. And at the time in the game, it was it was pretty frustrating because it was at a moment where we just got away with the with a Bamford disallowed goal, and we were being pushed back a little bit. And you're thinking, why on earth is our is our you know focal point of our attack, our central striker, if you like, um, back doing that? But it's only when you you look back, as you say, Mike, over the you know, over the whole game and you start looking at these things and the heat maps and the positions of players that you realise that the system was perhaps a bit more complex than that guy's playing up front and that guy's, you know, playing left wing and what have you. The kind of movement and interchange of position that, that we've been crying out for happened in this game. But, I mean, Albert, any, any particular thoughts on, on what Ayu gives you over Batshuayi? Yeah, I think Mike's nailed it, really. I think Batshuayi is more of an obvious focal point and I think, I think are you, you know, whilst again, whilst we, we're not going to sit here and say he's the most defensive minded of players, I think what are you is very good at, whether it's on the 18 yard line or or a bit further up the pitch. You know, if if Ayu gets his foot on the ball, he's got that ability of, of you know getting 20, 35 yards up the pitch with a dribble. Um and he's capable of playing a pass. And I guess he's a he's a bit more of um a bit more of a link up player throughout the whole the whole of the pitch, whereas Batshuayi tends to be a bit more sort of in and around the 18-yard box. Um, and I guess when we're, you know, lead, leads are quite, a, you know, they press quite high. They're quite intense in terms of how they try and attack. So I guess we were trying to have as many men behind the ball as we can, you know, to try and sort of get those interceptions and then and then get ourselves up the pitch knowing that Will, Feneze, you know, when we are in possession are going to be, you know, looking to receive a pass from someone like IU. So I think it was a, like you know, it's not something that I would have, you know, I raised an eyebrow when it was IU over Batshuayi because again, you know, Batshuayi's been very close to scoring several goals. Um, so yeah, but I guess, I guess I, as the heat map shows, IU's a, IU's a bit more capable of doing work in all areas of the pitch where Batshuayi is going to be sort of trying to stick and buzz around that 18 yard box. 
Yeah, it's interesting some of the, some of what you were saying there around the you know the sort of soaking up the pressure to a point, but then being able to spring. And I think that's a really important point to consider in that in that tactical setup because we knew that we'd have space. It was talked about pre-game, um, and we knew that we'd be looking to counter-attack. And where we did that well, we did that really well against Man United because they allowed us space, and it was very similar here. But where teams like you know the Chelsea game sticks out in my mind as a team that saw what we did against United and just shut it down straight away. And and part of the change and why Leeds weren't able to shut it down straight away, as much as it was they get a lot of players forward, it was because we got so the players, the gaps between the players were a lot smaller. And we were, it's like almost like a coiled spring, just able to completely, completely launch when we needed to go forward. And you know, that again really pleasing to see. And you can't do anything but praise the manager and coaching staff for that, as well as the players for carrying out the instructions the right way. And Mike, I'll let you take us into the, the next bit as well because you've picked out another key area uh, of the tactical setup, which I think, again, having having read it, uh, spoiler alert, I think you're absolutely right. But um, yeah, take us through it. I presume you're referring to the uh, the fullbacks issue. Um, yeah, so Tyrant Mitchell, I think we all are a big fan of. Um, and I think there's arguments and discussions between us about whether we thought PVA would, would get his place back. Um, and obviously, he is, at the moment anyway, far more accomplished going forward. Um, and also, Waldy, I mean, was, I was quite shocked to see he wasn't on the bench. So I assume his, his injury is worse than um, originally thought. I don't know if you've got any updates on that afterwards. But, um, you know, I was very happy to see Klein in because, you know, always been a massive fan. And yeah, it took him a couple of games to get his eye in. Um, definitely still making a few mistakes. But... Um, the fact that they were playing at times like wing-backs rather than full-backs added so much to the coiled spring you were just talking about. Um, there was one particular move. Again, um, I haven't been able to find it on the replays, but there was a lovely overlap between Klein and, and Townsend that ended up coming to nothing. But it was... I remember talking to Chris Clark after the game about it. Um, one of my favourite moves of the game. And to see that on both sides of the pitch, obviously we, we know how good PVA was. We've got the stats here. Um, you know, one significant dribble, uh, two aerials, one um, decent amount of possession, pass success rate of seventy-seven percent, which was good because there were some long balls. Um, you know, this this is a real extra dimension to the attack that um, we haven't had. Um, and I, I think if Klein can continue in the team and improve and become more of a Hodgson-style player, that is a really good sign for the rest of the season. Oh, definitely. There's, you know, there's again, there's a lot in what what you've said there. I think seeing our fullbacks being the ones that are pushing forward and giving Leeds problems and stopping them getting attacking. That that's kind of the opposite to what we've seen for quite an extended period period under Roy Hodgson. Too often, it's our attacking players that are following fullbacks and and allowing us to be pushed back and us struggling to attack. So we did turn the tables on Leeds in that respect, and definitely PVA made a huge difference in that. But that's it's, it's weird to say that because of the how well Mitchell's done, and it's not like Mitchell hasn't got forward as well. And you think against Wolves, we definitely missed Mitchell. Uh, PVA was was ineffective there, um, and and Mitchell's passing up and down the left is is excellent and, and probably a level above PVA, but he doesn't have the directness that that P, and, the, and the confidence really that PVA has, and we really saw the benefit. But I, I have to focus for me on Klein before I, I give Albert a chance to comment on this. One. Yeah, hundred percent. He's not. He's not back to his best or anything like that. 
But there were moments in that game where you started to see the Nathaniel Klein that was almost impossible to get past. You know, I can remember in his very early days where Sean Scannell called, suggested he was a robot because you couldn't literally couldn't get past him in a one-to-one duel. And, you know, it, long before he, he, he rejoined us, that sort of disappeared from Klein's games because of injuries and lack of match practice. It just it just wasn't that player anymore. You could kick and run past him. But to see him after, you know, three straight games building up that match sharpness uh, and seeing him back cutting out crosses because... You know, we talk about how brilliant Joel Ward's been for us over the years, but the one thing he doesn't really do often is cut out a cross. So seeing Nathaniel Klein getting back and doing that, you know, I found it quite inspiring in a lot of ways. It just gave me a lot more confidence in that in that right back position. And the more games he plays, the better he'll get. And you can see him earning, earning a longer contract. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I feel, and he had moments yesterday. He's definitely definitely looked rusty, but you know, he's a he's a player that's for, for whatever reason, whether it's been out on loan or, you know, his injury record. He's not he's not played a huge amount of football over the last couple of years. So I'm not expecting him to come in and be the same Nathaniel Klein that that left us all those years ago. But it's a bit like for me yesterday, there was times where I was sort of sort of wincing a little bit. And it was in the early parts of the game really where he looked a bit rusty. But he kind of he kind of seemed to be sort of taken over by the the spirit of Wambasaka where if he you know if he if he fluffed his first interaction Somehow he he managed to make up for it, you know, just by just by being that having that buzz and and, and going again, and he, he sort of grew into the game. And um, I think, like you say, you know, the, if if he if he plays more, if he becomes more match fit and gets used to you know a run of games, I think. So, I mean, obviously, it's only good for us. And having the option of you know, at one point it was we were we were ruined the loss of Klein and and Joel Ward was was bigged up as being better than Klein, and that was sort of all meant to make us feel better. Um, I think now we're seeing the fruits of two two players that have been on very different journeys. That, for you know, depending on who we're playing, are both very capable of filling in that in that right back position, and in sort of inspiring confidence, who, whoever it is, really. And they've they've both got their their pros and cons, but you know, on their day, they're both absolutely fantastic right backs. Yeah, for sure. Um, this chat kind of takes us into a comment from Andy Hode, who's. As I mentioned, every time we talk about Andy, he has one of the finest Twitter names ever. He's Andy the Twat, nineteen ninety two. Good stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's a brave name. It's a very brave name. Um, and he said that Eze, PVA, and Wilf link up superbly. So my only question is, would Mitchell have the same effect? And it's hard to answer that question because I happen to think that Mitchell links extremely well with um, with Wilfred Zaha in a lot of the. The best work we've done of late, and in particular where Wilf's got a couple of goals, the, the pass either well, the pass directly to him has been a pass drilled into feet from Tyreek Mitchell. So there's definitely a link up between those two, but you know, we haven't had really had much of a luxury of seeing Wilf as a and Mitchell play together for any extended period of time. And there's zero doubt whatsoever that PVA and Wilf in particular have have an almost telepathic understanding already. You know, we remember PVA and Wilf doing bits. That was a that was a thing for a while, wasn't it? Um, went a little quiet for a bit, but, you know. Doing the existed. bits. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and then you could just see Wilf really enjoying playing with someone like Eze, with with the level of talent that Eze's got, the vision that he's got, and the confidence that he's got on the ball. You know, there were some lovely little flicks and, and quick interchanges of play between them. So absolutely agree 100% that the three of them work well, but... You know, I'm I'm in the place where I think Mitchell can do that 
you know, maybe not quite as direct and as quickly as PVA does, but in probably in a different way. And I think I think the more they played together, the more that link up would work as well. Yeah, I mean, Mitchell would have looked good with IU supporting him and Eze in front of him in that game as well. There's no question um, he hasn't had the opportunity of that kind of creativity in front of him this season. So, For sure. Um, just a couple more questions before we start getting into um, some more specifics about the game itself. Uh, and they're really Roy-based questions. So starting with Stephen Bartley, says, are we turning into a Jekyll and Hyde team this season? Or is the tactical agility in the opposition dugout or lack of or lack thereof in Leeds' case a key factor in deciding our performance on the day? Um, you know, I suppose we'll, we'll all have our say on whether we think we're, we're a Jekyll and Hyde team or whether we think we can sustain this. But to kind of address the second part, really, which is about the opposition, absolutely it has an effect. But there's so many different variables that go into whether or not Palace are going to play well and if you look at what we did against Leeds I think Leeds haven't really and it's a criticism I've heard Leeds fans make of of Bielsa which almost seems ridiculous the idea that he might get stick from their fans for getting them into the Premier League and and playing the way that they do but you know they all say he doesn't you know you've heard this this sentence before he doesn't have a plan B he just plays the way he'll play and it either works or it doesn't and that's his that's his style Um, so Absolutely, it played into our hands, but I don't think we should really be doing a disservice to, to to the players and the management staff here because it wasn't just about how Leeds played. It's about how we we just played with so much more drive and intensity and and, and ambition. You know, don't it's not much different from from the setup against Wolves. Or uh, I suppose Wolves is probably a bad example because we did play with a formation. But you go back to the Chelsea game, go back to the Everton game. It's not that much different in what you're seeing in, in our in our setup. It was just the level of intensity for me. So, um, but it's a really tough question to answer. So, uh, Albert, I guess guess you first, really. Stephen saying, "Are we a Jekyll and Hyde team?" What's your thoughts? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if we're Jekyll and Hyde. I, you know, I think we know. I think we know what we're going to get most weeks from a from a Roy team, no matter who the who the personnel are. You know, well drilled. Try and stay well organised. We're not going to come flying out the blocks and and go into the into the halftime break. You know, free four nil up. Um, and I really, you know, again, I don't want to sit here and take credit away from the performance yesterday. But like you say, you know, Leeds only play one way. Uh, they conceded four against you know Leicester. What was that Monday night? You know they. They they come out they come out and they want to score goals and you know we're we're a team that's best playing on the counter attack even at home so I think there was an element of I don't know you you know if you want to call it naivety or you know like I say being one dimensional but I think there was it definitely favoured us yesterday in that Leeds only play one way and as long as we get our defensive game right there's a very very good chance that we can hurt teams on the break and as good as as good as Leeds are and as, as admirable as their, their their style is you know they this is the first time they've been back in the premier league in a long long time um and you know essentially a a, a pretty fresh championship team so i think uh, i think it was favorable for us yesterday uh, again that's not to take anything away from the performance but you know we it, we, we could sit here after the international break on the on the flip side of a, of a result and be like, oh, we're back to normal. So, 
I think it's uh, I think it's a fantastic victory, and I, and I, re- I really hope it's uh, I really hope it's the it's the touch paper that's lit for us to now say no, we're not a Jekyll and Hyde team. This is a system that we're going to play, and we're going to try and rely on that creativity, that fluidity, and that sort of extra bit of quality and flexibility in in terms of the, the squad as a whole that we can sort of hurt teams a bit more and, and with confidence. Yeah, I think that's that's an overriding thought for me. It's it, to me it proves that we can play that way. Now I'm, I'm not I'm not going to go overboard, and, and I'd encourage other people not to do the same thing as well because we saw it. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of told you so and. Look at how when we beat Fulham, and you know Fulham, as much as as Leeds are a promoted side, they're a better promoted side than Fulham. We have to concede that, and, and beating Leeds four one is hugely impressive. But it's still we still beaten a promoted side. It's something that a team as established as us should be expecting to do, albeit perhaps not as impressively as that. But you know it, it's very important we keep our feet on the ground, and and you know every game will be different. It'll have a different set of challenges. What I want to see is us able to realise that we've got it wrong and change it during the game and do something better. And this game did get us, give us a chance to see that because we got it right from minute one. So huge praise for getting it right from, from minute one. But really, it's not the source of any of my concerns. You know, we, we've seen that I think it goes back 15, probably 16 games now where, where we've gone ahead, we've not lost a game. So that, that tells you everything you need to know about how you know, where our strengths lie. And, and it also points the direction as to where our weaknesses lie. And our weaknesses lie in being able to recognise that things aren't going to plan and we need to act to change it. And that's where we see very little action from the, vent, the bench, very little action on the pitch in terms of trying to get a foothold back in a game where where our plan hasn't worked. So that that's how I'd sum up Stephen's comment. And, and Mike, I'll let you uh, take Andy's question rather than uh, go any more on that. Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What do you think prompted Roy to change the way we played, not just from Wolves, but from the last few games? Abandon the total defensive mindset against one of the league's more attacking teams, in brackets, successfully. So I'm going to go to um, the answer that Eze gave Chris Grierson um, on the website for post-match interview. Because, you know, Chris Grierson said, what What do you think was different? What? Why, why was it so effective? And Eze said, we didn't, sit back after we went 1-0 up um, and soak up pressure. Um, 
Now, whether that was deliberate from Hodgson or not, they didn't do it. Um, and I think that was the, the, the key difference. Um, Leeds, yes, they clearly did give you a lot of space and it was brought up by Eze, it was brought up by Hodgson. Um, they're the only two post-matches that have been put on the site. But, you know, they both said that they, they, they marked man-to-man, they gave an enormous amount of space and it meant that quick counter-attacking football was easy to do. The problem is that arguably the other 18 sides in the league, or certainly 16 of them, um, don't allow that. So, um, and, and the other thing is, it's pretty obvious to work out what to not do to give Palace a hard day at the office. So, um, respect to Leeds f- for trying, but um, yeah, they've, they've just come up from the Championship where that kind of thing oft- often does work a lot better. You think back to Fulham the first day of the season, two seasons ago, um, Palace schooled them in how to just take your chances, be clinical on the break, a uh, 2-0 win. Um, and it, it reminded me of that. And I don't usually bet on Palace before a game. I usually bet on the other team just so that it you know, makes me feel slightly better when I get some money out of it. But I just, I just did not see us not getting at least a point, if not three against Leeds, because they would just leave a load of spaces. So I'm hoping that Hodgson will carry on doing that against other teams as well, but who knows. Definitely. I say for me, there's a lesson to learn there in trusting the players to to go and do that kind of thing. Trusting the players to, to get forward. And and for once, and there's a little bit of analysis of match of the day that showed it, and I remember from watching the game with DR seeing it a few times, that when we were breaking, there were multiple players running into the penalty area. It's so often mm-hmm. we see a player get down the left or down the right, look up, and you know he's got he's got two, really two options. There's a, there's a single player in the box or the player that's running behind him, and that's really all we've got. Uh, and at, at our absolute worst, that's how we play for ninety minutes. Um, but when we when we gamble and we take some risks, it, it just feels that much better. We had so anyway. many, we had so many we had so many people in the box. I think it was a really early on chance. Was it was it there was a, a ball got played across to Ayu, and instead of hitting it, he kind of he let it go past him to Townsend, who was in arguably a worse position, but. I mean, when was the last time you saw a player in the box, a Palace player in the box, receive a ball and have the confidence to dummy it knowing there was somebody else behind him? I mean, I can't yeah. remember that for, for a long old time. <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, I remember that well because, you know, you, you think it absolutely right that there's a better chance for Ayu to hit it first time. And that's exactly what Townsend should have done because he actually lands on his left foot. But for some reason, he wanted to take control of it. Perhaps he was as surprised as anybody to get the uh, the opportunity. But... Um, I've got anyway, a quick yeah. question for listeners as well. When was the last time we scored two goals that both hit the, the underside of the bar when they went in in a game? Are we wait, are we waiting for them to answer. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the. Yeah, I just wondered if anyone messages in that's got an amazing memory. But yeah, t- two goals in a row as well, both hit the underside of the bar. I right? can't remember any goal that hit the underside. <laughs> of the bar. Oh dear. Anyway, let's get into some uh, some more specifics around the game. Um, I've got a question to ask of, of you both, really, rather than, than, than to give my full summary. Obviously, we've talked a lot already about the fact it was a strong performance um, and, you know, the reasons we felt that tactically it worked out. But, Albert, for you, was is 4-1 justified? Was it a 4-1 game? Bielsa didn't seem to think so. No, I didn't think it was either. I, I, one, of the, one of the dads in my eldest class is a Leeds fan, and I messaged him and said, bit bit harsh, the scoreline, I think... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I haven't scrolled that far ahead in the show plan. Apologies, but 
the, the VAR decision, obviously, is I'm sure we're going to go into that in more detail. I mean, that was, I was absolutely jaw on the floor when that got ruled out. Again, not going to say I was upset about it, but it was a huge surprise. You know, the, the, the van up, the, the own goal is such a, such an apt. The more you see it, you think, how's that, you know, that's like a, that's like a world class long pot on a snooker table. Like it's an absolute one in a million own goal. Uh, so you know you you factor those things. I don't know goals change games. It doesn't mean that the game would have finished three two necessarily. But you know it's those fine margins that kind of that can flatter the scoreline. I, I, I think we deserve to win. I'm not saying not saying we didn't, but um, and uh, you know I think we deserved it based on the fact that we tried to do something different and we you know we did sort of load our team with our more naturally sort of more attacking players. Um, but yeah, I think 4-1 was ever so slightly flattering. I think that's fair. I have to say, you talk about your, you know, your mate, you say your mate or your mate's dad or something. I've got confused between what I'm about to say and what you said. Son's mate's dad. Uh, who, is a, who is a friend? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I mean, we've, cl- we've cleared that up and that was the most important part of what I was about Good, to moving say. On. Um, sure. Moving on. Moving on. Should we just uh, end the, the show there? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's what everyone wanted, right? Um, yeah. No, uh, I just wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to Carl Savage who messaged us yesterday, uh, showing a, a a video clip of a very very unhappy father uh, who was a Leeds fan, as uh, as Carl himself celebrated, like only a very drunk Palace fan could celebrate. And um, yeah, really enjoyed that, Carl. And I promised I'd give you a shout out. So there it was. Um, so good stuff. But there there was a lot of bitterness from Leeds fans, and there still was this morning, which you know it's. it's it's beautiful. You love bitter opposition fans. Just gives you that that warm fuzzy feeling when you see how unhappy they are. But I, I was surprised at the level of bitterness. You know, there was a lot of focus on the VAR decision, and I and I suppose they're not as used to it as we are in terms of the absolute insanity of the rules making it making it a whole pointless task. But you know, it's always relevant to talk about how badly we've been affected by it this season already and, and for a lot of last season. We benefited at times, we lost at times. And I suppose it's easier for us to take that that kind of view. But absolutely, we'd have been extremely upset about that. But they, they were talking about things like... We'll, we'll get into it for the for the second goal, actually. But they were talking about all sorts of incidents in the game that, that to, to their perception, made, made us extremely lucky to beat them. But, you know, on the balance of play, they can't be upset that we won that game. I just can't see it. There was nothing in that game to suggest that they were better than us and that they deserved any more than they got. Scoreline, absolutely, I can accept that that's harsh. Lucky for the third goal, for sure, um, and lucky to not not concede an, an extra one. But other than that, and you think about the whole of the second half, they didn't trouble us at all, did they? You know, that was the 45 minutes for them to to really push us back, put us under pressure, and and force that that goal because we we do buckle when we put under pressure continuously. You can force our team back, and they just completely failed to do that. So I was really surprised that um, that they were just as angry as they were about it because you know it's a game they deserve nothing from and got nothing from. But um, I want to get into the, the the first goal before I go any further. But I just wondered if you had any general comments, Mike, about the performance that we haven't quite covered yet. You can say no. I I, I just want to say on the on the fans an angry thing um it's almost like tribalistic angry people exist on twitter for every team um yeah they, i mean 
on any on any topic. It doesn't have to be football. Yeah. Um, no, no. I, I, I really think that it goes back to the last comment we were just discussing. Leeds were naive in their approach, and and yeah, it was flattering. But um, you know, we had a higher expected goals. We had less possession. We had more shots. Uh, more shots on target. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're expecting. They've shipped eight in two games. That, that something's got to change for them. But that's that's not Palace fans' job to analyse that, is it? So, no, for sure. And there was there was one Wolves fan who got in touch um, on our YouTube channel who was extremely angry because he expected Roy Hodgson to come out and criticise VAR after the Leeds game as well because he criticised it after Wolves beat us. When and I found that fascinating that a Wolves fan would take time out of his day to come after our manager for, for that particular reason. But I don't know. Have you been to Wolverhampton? Actually, no. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, no, I see it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just to quickly run you through the first goal uh, and then we'll get talking about the VAR decision itself. Uh, so goal one for Palace. Are you and Zaha were combining well uh, and the latter forces a corner. Uh, and Eze steps up to take it in, curls it in from the left-hand side, right-footed. Uh, Scott Dan has actually worked really hard to get some space in the box, goes between two defenders, and kind kind of heads it into the corner off the underside of the bar. So there's a couple of things I want to pick out from that. First of all, set-piece delivery. And obviously we know what happens later on with a different kind of set-piece. But, you know, we, I talked about this with, with Dio in the, in the watch-along during the game. And it was one of the reasons we went after Eze it's because of set-piece delivery. No no one could have failed to see us struggle to deliver a corner on a consistent basis or deliver a free kick from, from wide areas in particular on a consistent basis and threaten the goal. Eze's quality makes such a difference there. Um, and Scott, poor Scott Dan hadn't scored a goal since December 2017. All of a sudden, he got Eze taking a corner and there it goes. So... Um, but uh, but set piece delivery, gents. I've got, got to hand that over to you. I haven't picked one of you either, so you're just gonna have to fight it out amongst yourselves. Cool. Can we add in um, the audio of that Doc Brown track um, that says we're gonna kick him with Connor Wickham, and if not, man, we got Scott Dan. Let's just add that in, and, and that, that we don't need to talk about it anymore. Amazing. <laughs> was it was it Dan's goal, Albert? Was it? Yeah, of course yeah. it was. Cool. He was trying. He was trying to. He was trying to head it. In the goal, uh, it ended up in the goal, and I'm pretty sure that's what it says in the rule book. Yeah, that, that, yeah. In, in in the football rule in the rules of football book. Um, I'll look that up on YouTube later. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course it was his goal, Scott Dan. Fuck's sake. Yeah, fair, fair. I'm I'm going to be really generous and, and say that it doesn't look great for one particular camera angle. But if you look at where his head is, is and where he's looking to head the ball, it seems odd that the ball would have come off the defender's head. That's, called, that that's called doing them with the eyes, isn't it? It's that oh, when yeah. you send a, send a penalty the other way. Yeah, no, fair enough. But... You're definitely saying the scoreline's flattering then if you're saying Scott Dan didn't mean that goal, the own goal was a freak <laughs> and they should have had one as per VAR. <laughs> No, Scott Dan all, all the way knew exactly what he was doing and quite yeah. rightfully that was his goal. Let's talk uh, the, the disallowed goal for, for for that little rat, Bamford. Um, so Palace, so this was this was something you talked about as those comments, Mike, where he said we didn't we didn't drop back after after scoring a goal and try and soak up pressure. But 
I laughed when you said that because we absolutely did do that twice. Um, you know, until we until we learned our lesson, uh, and this was the first the first example of that which we we ended up getting away with. So we we did start to drift back. There was you know two lines of, of four back, really really sort of in, in our on our third, and even Jordan I would come right back as well. And there was just very little in terms of of way of getting out. So we we invited a bit of pressure, and, and unfortunately, it's very similar to the way Wolves took us apart a little bit. We don't tend to move too much when when the in the front players are kind of exchanging positions. The defense quite understandably it's it's a, it's a way of doing it. You pass a player on to another player, but the movement was unfortunately pretty good for this this um, this disallowed goal and ended up with uh, Klich receiving the ball in space. No, and he, nicely he, done. No worries, mate. I was proud of that, as you could tell from my little smile. Uh, I keep forgetting we're on video and people can see my smugness. Need to need to dial that down. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, he got a bit of bit of a uh, bit of space in front of him. No one came out to meet him, so he was able to pick a pass for Patrick Bamford, who he signalled for the pass, didn't he? Put his arm out to signal for the pass. Very smart, that uh, enjoy it there. So, um, and it was a good good finish with his with his weaker foot, which was um, hard to see. But sadly for the little tiny weasel, his arm was actually judged offside. Uh, and what I've put here in a decision that was extremely funny. Because it really quite was. Um, VA ha ha ha. Indeed, indeed. I, I mean, I I know you said your your jaw hit the floor. Um, we've seen enough of this now. The 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 first replay I saw, I was like, this is going to be disallowed. Like it, it. He came out after the game and said, I, I can't believe it. The, the you know the game's gone. I've seen this happen several times in the past few weeks. It's like well, you just you you just said you've seen it happen to other people, <laughs> so fucking learn from it, you dickhead. Like, like don't come out and then say oh it's wrong, you know. But like, it, your think? arms offside. Like, I I I don't agree with it. If the rule changes and it goes back to that being onside, fine. But by the the letter of how it's been done for the last however many months, that's offside, and I can't believe that he's surprised, and he isn't because he said that he's seen that other people get done for it. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I knew it was going to be ruled out, and and it was it was better. It was better than him not scoring it. <laughs> I um I have to say, I mean, we you know we have to talk about the rule itself clearly, but we won't spend a tremendous amount of time on it um, because they talk they talk about now it's uh it's handball within a sort of t shirt shape, right? So they're, yeah, they're that's just what, if- that's what I sort of that's what slipped my mind yesterday. Yeah. Um, but they, I suppose their argument apparently, um, and this was the first time I'd really heard this argument, I'd heard that they'd changed where handball was being given from, but it hadn't really clicked to me that they were also saying you could score using that part of your body from now on. So if you happen to accidentally knock the ball in with your upper arm where your shirt ends, that now apparently counts as a goal, whereas the season before that had been given as handball. So What if you're wearing a long sleeve shirt? Well, this is what I thought. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe everyone should be. Um, I hate but... to be a pedant. <laughs> Do you? Do you hate to be a pedant? Mm-hmm. Nobody does. It's it's a it's a very enjoyable thing to do. Uh, but yeah, the the role is what it is. So you know, if that had happened up the other end, we'd have had a goal disallowed as well. So it's not so dramatically unfair. The the problem is, it's not. It doesn't feel like football. Just like the offside decision in general doesn't feel like football when you see a player's feet behind the defender. And he's leaning, and he's getting given offside for leaning. You're like, 
that doesn't feel like it should be offside. And that's where the anger and the frustration comes from, and that's where the, the kind of common sense part has gone out of the game. But, you know, we can't pretend it's unfair in the fact that because it would have been consistent if that had happened to us and not them. So just deal with it. Just deal with it. And at some point, people will revise the rules again. Um, but there you go. And they don't, we don't even need to get into the fact that could they really accurately measure when the ball was kicked and where was Bamford's arm at that point? Was it between frames of the camera? All that sort of stuff. It is It is ridiculous. And it is why, you know, not the technology isn't the problem, but the people using it and the degree that you're using it remains the problem. But, you, uh, but you, it is you're right. It, 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 it has, that that would have been disallowed for any team. There was no inconsistency. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's stupid, but it's it was consistent. So, that's how it's going to be for the rest of the season, at the very least. Offside is offside, as I keep saying to people. Yeah, and it's that is a very true statement. A very you're insightful. offside or you're not. Well, no, but it is, isn't it? You, got, you know, people are like, oh, there needs to be a bit of, to- you know, this to be tolerance. It's like, no, 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 because there's always going to, whatever the rule is, there's always going to be, I'm not saying I agree with the offside as it is, just for the record. But there's always going to, wherever you draw the line, there's going to be debate as to whether you're on that line or not. So if the, and that's and that's why I was surprised yesterday because I forgot the whole that it's the top of the arm is still technically part of the uh, scoring appendage. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Well, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but scoring appendage. Yeah, but it's so. like if 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 that's a legitimate part of the body that can be offside and it's offside, then it's offside. You know, but, it's but, not. But uh, more than that, and I really don't want to get into ridiculous long discussions about this and we have anyway. Um, on match of the day, Tim Cahill said, well, how am I going to point to where I want the ball? And it's like, well, as soon as you say that, then the your, your hand is becoming an active part of play because you're telling the guy where you want the ball. So it is an active part of play. If you if you didn't have that, if you only had one arm, he wouldn't necessarily know you wanted the ball there. So, like... <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, yeah, exactly right. I mean, the, the thing to do, it's a little bit like the keepers coming off their line thing. You know, oh, we can't come off our line by a centimetre. Stand, stand a centimetre further back, similar to off to offside. If you're going to be given offside for that, then time you run better, bottom, bottom line. Yeah, 100% doesn't feel like football, feels that it's wrong, but it, as we said, consistent across the board. Let me rattle through these. We do. We will have to stop uh, and talk about uh, the next goal in a bit more detail, but then I'll rattle through the rest and we can get onto some performance stuff, which we've covered a fair amount of already. Uh, and then, you know, looking at looking at how long we've gone already, guys, we'll have to try and wrap this up relatively quickly, won't we? Otherwise, Mike just gets all shirty every time we, we sort of take, we go over an oh, hour. I haven't said anything today. No, I know, but it's in your face already, mate. I can tell. <laughs> um, Albert, just before we do move on, and, I'm, and I haven't deliberately done this to annoy you, Mike, you pointed at your camera while making a point earlier. Which one of us were you pointing to when you did that? Uh, or was it I'd, just a general camera? I have to point? remember what the point was. To... You said, and I wasn't saying you were like that. Oh no, and I wasn't. I was just, yeah. No, I was just. You know, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of um, de- uh, a lot of debate about is VAR the problem or is the rule that VAR is Im- implementing the problem? Mm. And I was just stressing that I didn't necessarily agree with the offside rules. It was all right. But I just yeah, but is that I mean I just wanted just want to understand if you're pointing at the listeners, viewers, sorry. Can't point at listeners, that's just insane. Because there are none. <laughs> oh dear, I better move this on before you destroy any more of our hope and dreams. Uh goal two. 
so this this was a, there was a bit of weirdness in this one that I want to talk about. So 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 first of all, we you know we got away with it and uh, with Bamford being given, off, given offside, and we actually lifted our game straight almost straight away from the free kick uh, for the for the offside, which was nice to see. Not nice that we didn't set into that pattern, and that's where I agree with Eze. Uh, but so Riedervald picked the ball up in midfield and, and found PVA. His first time pass went into Eze, and he was fouled, uh, and and the free kick was just breathtaking. You know, 20 yards out to get the, the ball basically up and down and going off the underside of the bar. That in itself is is exceptional. But the pace, the power and the placement was all just absolutely perfect. Um, I haven't seen a better Palace free kick for a long time. You know, Lucas hit some good free kicks, but, you know, you're going back to things like maybe one one of Jedi's, maybe even going Jedi back as versus far as... Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that yeah, it was up with that. It was up with that level of of talent and of ability. Um, so I don't really know. I, I don't know. Know there's too much more to say on it other than it was amazing, and you guys, I'm sure would 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 simply agree. But there was a point apparently that happened, and one of the um, one of the reporters asked Roy Hodgson about it after the game, and he kind of tried to brush it off a little bit. But apparently, some of the Leeds bench or the Leeds director of football were complaining at that second goal because we didn't put the ball out of play. For Click, who was down injured. Yeah, so, well, I, can, I watched that I, back because I wondered it as well. So he went down after Gyro had turned away with the ball. There's no way that Gyro would have known. So unless the Leeds players alerted him to it and then the referee stopped it, I, I really, again, um, it just sounds like it's, it's petulance from, from Leeds fans to me. It's, it's idiocy, but it's one of their one of their staff. Apparently, the director of football was was adamant. But I so I went further than that, Mike, <laughs> in terms of looking at it. So first of all, you're right. It, you know, it happened after Gyro turned away, but it was it was he just got his studs caught in the turf and fell over. So it's not even like there was a a potential challenge or foul to be aware of. And I and from the moment he hit the deck, I counted four seconds until Eze was fouled. So apparently. In that in that four seconds, whilst we're actually playing football and looking forward, we should have noticed a player that had randomly fallen over, tripping over nothing, uh, and stopped the game and kicked the ball out of play. I'm going to blame the lack of fans in the stadium because that's normally, you know, fans are jeering and that's what brings the attention to it. So there blame, you go. That's, I think that's, gen- that's generous, and I think you're right though. Corona's fault. Absolute madness in my view for them to to think like that, but it was a brilliant way to go to go two 0 up. But I do think we did take our foot off the gas after going two 0 up, and we did invite them onto us. And the little rat was uh, was left alone to score. Yeah, you know, what was a good goal? We have to be fair. And I suppose the only thing to pick out here it was a bit of a little, tiny little negative in what was a very very positive game. Was uh, that basically all Leeds did was they overloaded uh, their right flank, our left side. And when Bamford moved out to that side, Dan went with him, but he didn't go tight. He, he just he stood off, sort of moved his way around the back of two other players, and so Bamford's just you know sharp movement away. Dan hasn't had time to get with him, and and basically he's given up before Bamford's even got the ball, and the header's been won. And then it's just too difficult for Klein to get across in time. So, you know, I'm not necessarily picking out Scott Dan and saying it's all his fault there, but you are. Went, but I just did, really, didn't I? Um, so I think what I'm getting at, really, is I think he'll be disappointed with that, that 
he maybe didn't get a little bit closer to uh, to Bamford. And I think we could say that defensively, we did see a little hangover from what happened against Wolves, where we just weren't close enough to their forward players. We saw a little bit of that to, in, in this game. But fortunately, after that moment, it never happened again. So whether we just got in at half-time and sorted that out, whether it was just the players themselves noticing they got to get tighter, I'm, I'm not sure. But the pleasing thing is we didn't let that happen again. So... But it was disappointing to go to for it to go back to two one, and really disappointing to see Bamford scoring goals like that at the Premier League level because it just adds insult to injury of just how bad he was for us and how arrogant he was when he, when he dismissed um, dismissed Palace and the way we had treated him after he just didn't really try, you know. But there we go. Three one was hilarious. Uh, it was it was all about the pass from Wilf, wasn't it? Down the flank, no look pass. Uh, yeah. You know what? 40, 50-yard pass down the flank without looking. Exceptional. And that's the sort of stuff he doesn't get enough love for. Um, but PVA tries to hit across, uh, hit Sidercaster. Um, the angle, the 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 fact that that happened. And I can't remember who said it. might have even been um, Terence on Twitter during the game said, you can... Who? Yeah, oh, it's, um, it's a ginger guy. I think he does some sort of other show. I don't, know, do I, know, I don't know, mate. Yeah, not, don't know the guy. But, um, but he said you could do that a thousand more times and it wouldn't happen again like that. You could probably do it realistically a hundred thousand more times it wouldn't happen again. Uh, but it did happen and it was extremely funny. And that got us in a, a really good place, obviously, going into half-time, 3-1 up. Uh, and as I said earlier on, Leeds couldn't do a thing about it in the second half. And that pleased me almost, almost as much as the first half performance, I have to say. Fourth goal was just all about us being resolute defensively and continuing to threaten to continuing to go forward and they just stood off Wilf I think they'd kind of lost hope it was about 70 minutes I think and they seemed to have lost hope of getting back into the game properly stood off him but the pass the pass into IU the movement from IU finish oh yeah okay keeper gets a hand to it nearly keeps it out goes in off the post but you know that kind of just ran the thought I had um, pre-game back in my face in terms of why start IU over Batshuayi so you know, that's I guess that's why he's capable of that. So yeah, like I say, great goal, four one. Loads more than that happened in the game, but we've we've already ran out of time talking about the goals we scored, which I don't think that's happened for it's probably since we beat Leicester five nil. Um I, I mean I, I can't remember if I'm dreaming or not, but did we only only score two at, at most in any game last season? That was a stat for a while. I don't know if we ended up scoring three in any game, but it certainly very, not four. It was a very, very long run of games with us not scoring more than two goals. You're right. I can't I, remember if it was the whole season. I think the last time we scored four must have been the Bournemouth 5-3, I think. Indeed, but uh, but brilliant all the same. Obviously delighted about it. So let's pick out any kind of um, comments we've got around players. And we'll start lots of people quite rightly focusing on Eberetche Eze. Um, Mr. Cabris Parrot said, I didn't see the match due to PPV. How was Eze's defending? We have addressed that already. Um, re- realistically, he wasn't asked to do a huge amount, but what he was asked to do, he did well. Uh, good positioning and, and all that kind of stuff. Again, the theme we've covered already from Johnny Thatch, which talks about how slick did Wilf and Ebbs look together at times. It was mesmerising, and that can only get better as they play together. And some guy called Nick Gussett, don't I? No, don't know said, were you surprised to see Eze and Jeff on the pitch at the same time? And I've got to say, I was, but DR called it in, the, in terms of the next sub. He, he suggested Townsend would go off, which I agreed with, but I thought we'd um, 
shift Ayu out to the right and stick Batshuayi on up top. Uh, but he was right. We um, we moved Eze out to the right and, and put Jeff on the left. And I suppose that gives um, well, it puts puts Andros under a bit of pressure to maintain form, doesn't it? To uh, because Roy now knows he can get Eze right hand side and get Super Jeff back in. So um, there we go. Can't argue with that. No, exactly. But I, th- you know, we bring up Eze in this section because I think I'm going to say it now. He was for me man of the match. Any any one else got another player they would pick for man of the match? He was for me as well by a country mile, and I just I'm really impressed with his temperament in the way he talks, in the fact that he clearly loves his football. Um, he he just he seems like he's gonna, if he stays at Palace, he seems like he's going to be an absolute legend. And I don't want to pile loads of stuff on him before he's done anything, but. Um, everything about him, he just he said, you can, answering Johnny Thatch's questions about Wilf and 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 as I, I think we've mentioned it before, Wilf clearly trusts him in a way that he probably doesn't trust any other player. Um, I just I don't think there's any limit to how much this man can 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 help our side, um, and hopefully this is the first game that he plays starts and he he stays in the starting. I, I mean I want to see Townsend in there as well, but. If they can somehow even fit Schlupp in as well, uh, he's got to stay in the side. It's just, it was incredible, in, imperious. And I, I, I look up what he got and who scored, but it wasn't enough. He he, he only got, let's 9. see what he 9. got. 9.3, was it? 9 point something? Well, oh, no. sh- should have been 11. 9.13, there you go. Yeah. I'll do the I'll do the uh, devil's advocate because both of you have gone for Eze and had I been asked before, Mike, I probably said the same, but I thought Wilf was fantastic. I mean... It, it's almost boring saying, "Ah, oh, Wilf was man of the match," but you know, you look, you know, I, I know it wasn't a direct assist, but you know, you look at the the pass for the pass for uh, Van Arnholt's OG. Uh, you look at the the work he did for the RU goal. You know, he was he was everywhere all over that pitch and and drawing the fouls and yeah, he was. Um, I think the the Wolves game is wasn't great for Wilf and his temperament wasn't, you know, we all know he had like one in eight games, Wilf loses his head and was arguably lucky to potentially be on the pitch in that Wolves game. But I thought yesterday he was, um, he, you know, short of scoring. I thought Wilf was um, almost perfect. So while, whilst it almost doesn't need saying week on week, I'll, I'll be the one to say that Wilf was absolutely amazing yesterday. Really glad you brought it up because, um, Dr and I were talking about it during the game because Dr was was talking about how quiet Wilf was, and to a degree, I understood why he was saying that. But I think at times we've got to get used to Wilf playing a slightly different way because when you think about Wilf, and so if you're thinking about in your head what you picture when you talk about Wilf having a great game, you're thinking about him beating two people, drilling the ball into the top corner, that kind of stuff. You know, you're thinking about that that Wilf, and you're not always thinking about Zaha. Picking up space, moving defenders around, yeah. you know, take, taking two people over the other side of the pitch so his colleagues got some space to run into, finding passes from from out of nowhere, you know, the, the vision to switch play when it needs to be switched, all that kind of stuff that he was doing in the game, because it, it's almost not what you expect to see Wilf doing. You can miss it, um, and, and I 100% agree. I thought he was exceptional in terms of a, of an all round team performance. It's hard to know without him. 
the only thing he could add is what we talked about the the beat two players and drill it into the corner you know that's the only thing he could possibly add to that performance well, I mean to, arguably to he did do that for IU's goal it's just that the Leeds defending was so non-existent that he, he managed to go through him in about a third of a second <laughs> Absolutely right. We've got to talk a little bit about Gyro really quickly as well. Every game you see him play just looks better and better. Um, it's just effortless for him. Um, and, and you know, to me, he's gone from, you know, will he get any game time pre-season to first choice central midfielder now? Any arguments there? Nope. Not one. <laughs> No, it seems to, for me, uh, it's something my dad mentioned yesterday after watching the game, he's sort of, he's kind of, I think you, when we had Loftus-Cheek on loan, there was, there was you know, a very, a very distinct, and I hate to refer to that fucking awful game at Bristol City away in the cup, but there, there was, talking of Jekyll and Hyde, there was two very different Loftus-Cheeks on in his loan spell at Palace. There was before the injury, and then there was the last, what, 10 games where he came in and and really ran the show. Um, and Riedervald seems to have adopted that role, albeit sort of 15, 20 yards deeper. You know, he, he seems, you know, he gets his head up, you know, not not quite, I think Eze's come in and stolen the, the drop in the shoulder glory, but, you know, Riedervald can, can can beat a man and, and can glide past the player, puts a shift in, in terms of his defensive defensive responsibilities and and just looks you know looks look, looks like he's been playing in the middle of the park for the last sort of three seasons that, you know all of a sudden he's come out of nowhere and he's this amazing central midfielder and um it's it's you know I love MacArthur I I, I still got a lot of time for Luca but Riedeveld has come in and he's just this he's got this other dimension that neither of those players have yeah. um and Riedeveld and MacArthur yesterday were Sort of the the a really good combination, you know. MacArthur's this little busybody that does does a little bit of everything, and 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 gives you know he, he runs himself into the ground and you know almost has to be sort of carried off the pitch at the end. But but Riedervelt does some, to something similar. You know, it could be an age difference, but Riedervelt seems to seems to do similar stuff, but almost at half the pace, but with just real aplomb and yeah. and. I really, I really hope that, and it's not a slight on Luca. I was going to say it's not a slight on McCarthy, but it is. I'm not a massive McCarthy fan, but, but, but Riedervald has really, really grabbed that position, and you know, long may it continue because he, 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 he can play, he can defend, you know, and he, and he sees the game, and and fair play to him. Like he's waited a long time, and you know, it doesn't seem to have doesn't seem to have hung over him in terms of. You know, got him down. He's, he's he's got this opportunity and he's taking it. And week on week, you know, Wolves wasn't a great game for him, but it wasn't great for anybody. You know, he really ran that game yesterday in the middle of the park. And and him and Macarthur is you know is, is really exciting. So in, in conclusion, Gyro best Dutch person since Van Basten. <laughs> there you go. Um, I just hope the uh, the the three year wait hasn't meant that he will uh, run down his contract. That's my my fear at the moment. But perhaps he isn't oh, quite as uh, perhaps he isn't quite as happy about that situation as, as he's is let on. But I mean, certainly the you know the club or you know staff are talking about him earning that right, adding all sorts of things to his game, and um, you know 
I think it's different. He has to play differently depending on who he's got next to him. I think you're quite right with MacArthur doing all the little bits here and there. He can be a bit more, you know, he can sit a little bit deeper, do a bit more screening and, and let Mark MacArthur do kind of the box-to-box stuff. Um, and he can kind of do the playmaker type role. Um, but I think with Luca alongside him, obviously Luca's going to sit there and do that screening and it becomes down to Gyro to do the box-to-box stuff, which is why we saw him, saw him get forward and get that goal. Uh, against um, Fulham, so interesting that he, you're right. He has all of that in his locker, and um, let's let's just hope he stays with us. Uh, quick, just a quick couple of words. Uh, Scott Dan keeping his place alongside Kiate. I don't think either of those two we'd have thought would be our first first choice centre back pairing. Uh, but you'd you'd argue against dropping either at the moment. You know, Dan looks like he's a uh, he's a man reborn, and of course he's a year younger than Cahill which is uh, easy to forget. Uh, and Coyote, you just can't drop him at the moment. So um, good competition for places there. Um, so there we are. So can, can I just Well, I'm just reading the show doc here. The, the last thing you put underneath that is just mum, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you mean, what... you mean man of the match, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I would do. I, I mean, I'm not against finding out what anybody's mum think or thought of the game. Uh, and if you're, if you want to send in your mum's views for next week, please do. You can email us hi at back of the nest, or you can find us on any social media channel by searching for the words back of the nest. Or any book recommendations from your mother? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just let us know. Just careful. Just careful with the books. Anyway, just a couple of four-word reviews for you to give you a little flavour of what you received. Uh, so Leif Anderson's forehead, great name. Leeds got Roybald. Beer was the fourth word. Good. I mean, if you need a fourth word, why not use beer? Uh, Neil Koska's gone with there were actual shots. Nick Sadler's gone with play as they every game. Mike Deacon has gone with finally winning in, winning with style. Ben has gone with what, what did I witness, which is kind of where I landed. Uh, Mark Drew has gone with didn't see that coming. And uh, who moved the screen deliberately so I couldn't read the last one? That, that was weird, wasn't it? Oh, it says, it says, it's yeah. A, it says give, give Roy some credit from Kevin. It does say give Roy. There's another one that's been added at the end there. I don't know who. Do you want to read that one out, Albert? Oh, I've not got the app in front of me, to be honest. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. That's a shame. Probably won't read that one <laughs> out. Uh, but, you know, Kevin's give Roy some credit. Hopefully those of you that have, Occasionally had a little bit of a pop at the show in the past about not giving Roy enough credit. I, I hope we, we gave him a lot of credit, right? In this show, it was all lots and lots of Roy credit. Definitely. Well done, Roy. There you go. Yeah, a final well done, Roy, for me as well there as well. So um, good stuff. Mike's just keeping his, his thoughts to himself on that. I, I mean, um, I, I, just dis- I had this discussion yesterday with people and they said, you can't, you can't ha- say that you're neither Roy in or out. And I was like, well, I can and I am, so fuck off. <laughs> but like, oh dear. No, let's not get into it. Oh, we really haven't got not. time. Let's not. Um, so obviously the next game, we've got an international break, which uh, we'll obviously be taking an international break as well. Um, some of Who our are you team. for? Uh, uh, Zaire. Is that still a country? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. DR's away representing Turkey as well. So we've just, yeah, we need to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but it'll be Burnley when we come back. But rather than talk too much about Burnley, and obviously at some point, Albert, you and the preview team will be getting into that. 
but the next three games we've got are Burnley, Newcastle and West Brom. So on paper, playing like we just did against Leeds, nine points, right? That would be 22 points after 11 games. So what I'm really getting out there is if we deliver what we're capable of delivering, you know, we can really set the tone for what this season will be. So my gut feeling says if we actually play like we can do, we back the players to attack, we back the players you know, to do what they did against Leeds, defend when you need to defend, attack when you need to attack, be confident on the ball, we can pick up those nine points. And that, to me, points the way to the, the fabled top 10 finish. If we let ourselves down, you know, then I think we're, we're, we can't expect much more than our usual 12th to 14th. So I actually think this early on is actually a pivotal three games for us. Thoughts, Albert? Gone big. I, I wasn't expecting so much so much weight this early in the season. But when you put it like that, I mean, I'm like yesterday during the perfectly legal stream that I was watching, you know, they're like, and, that, and that's Palace in seventh. And they did an American accent, which would have given away the fact it wasn't a perfectly legal stream. <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, Christ, we're seventh. Like, how are we doing that? Uh, but, you know, the, the table doesn't lie. And yeah, those, those are three uh, fairly favourable fixtures on paper. Football's not played on paper. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly like to see the same team start. Um, there's no reason why it can't. It, you know, it worked yesterday. Um, Burnley are having a rotten time of it. So let's try and let's try and put four past them as well, please. Absolutely. Um, flip side, Mike. No wins for Burnley yet. No wins for West Brom yet. What's the Palace thing to do in those circumstances? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the, my gut reaction is that those teams, especially West Brom, will play much more in a way that we're going to find incredibly difficult. Um, you know, they've had three draws. Um, Spurs only narrowly beat them with their customary 89th minute Harry Kane goal. Um, they felt that pain that we felt 18 times before. Um, I think they're going to be very hard teams to beat. Newcastle, we... Yeah, we have a checkered history with results. Um, I'd be I'd be happy with with sort of four or six points from from those three games. Really, um, if we beat Burnley and West Brom, well, I mean we're already ten points above the drop zone. Um, those two will be in big trouble, and and we'll be well on the way to being safe. I think because I can't see them two right now getting more than about twenty five points apiece. But God, I'm not thinking about safety, mate. What's the point in that? You know, especially there's a gap opening up. Look at the look at the bottom of the table, Brighton downwards. They're the ones in trouble. So it's, it's you know, it's not too early. Eight games in to look at the table. It's fine. That's exactly where it's going. Um, but yeah, I genuinely, if we don't get nine points out of the next three, I'm going back on the Royale bandwagon. I'm getting t-shirts made. Um, yeah, uh, some kind of red cap with white writing on it. Uh, anyway, I'll. I'll, I'll I'll shut the hell up now. Um, so that's more than enough. Uh, so thank you, obviously, for listening slash watching. Uh, special thanks to all of you who got in touch. We read everything that you sent us. There was tons of it, um, but it did help shape the show, um, whether your comment was read out or not. Uh, obviously, thank you very much to Mike and to Albert. Cheers, gents. Hugely appreciate your time and effort. And thank you to Mikey for producing as well. Uh, so make sure you've scri- subscribed to the podcast. Uh, to get the next preview show in a week and a bit. Uh, make good. sure you also. Good. Oh, I, I can't wait. It's my highlight of the week. Mm, it's not mine. 
Anyway, uh, like and subscribe on our YouTube channel if you could as well. Uh, dot that, is that dot com? Uh, YouTube dot com. Yes, yeah. YouTube. Full stop. Com. <laughs> I think you have to put the HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www dot youtube dot com on the end of yeah. it. Just to be I thorough. Think, yeah, I mean, otherwise, who knows what will happen. Uh, but yeah, if you do all of that, what I just said there, you'll be able to keep up to date with all of our content as well as by searching all social media platforms for Back of the Nest. Uh, so, still wondering if we've got a TikTok. I swear Mikey signed up for TikTok. Are, 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 are either of you two fancy a bit of TikTok? No, I'm good. I don't know what it is. No, well, I, I like to keep it that way as well. I'm not entirely sure. Still, until next time, come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.